All right, what's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Fluent Talks Podcast. You got your host here, Andrew Franz, with my very exciting uh, guest of the week, Kaylin. Um, we, she's a big-time TikTok creator, and uh, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you joining me today. No, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. I feel like I spend so much time like sitting around thinking all of these things and like thinking about content. So it's nice to finally be able to like chat about it. Yeah, definitely pour it all out. I guess we can start with like kind of a little bit of background of how we kind of know each other. I think that could be interesting. Um, so, uh, so we're both in a discord together. I can kind of let you tell the story of how you got into it. And then I can tell a little bit of how I got into it and how we ultimately ended up here talking. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like a lot of us kind of have a similar story of how we got into the Discord, but I started content creating more seriously in like January of this year. And same thing of like, I spent a lot of time thinking about the algorithm and like why things were working, why things weren't working. And I ended up finding on Reddit of all places, like a subreddit that was, I think it's called like TikTok help or something. And it was just yeah. a bunch of people griping about the algorithm. Um, and someone had commented on one of the posts, like, Hey, we spend a lot of time in this discord, like chatting about this. Why don't you join? Um, and so I was able to like join this discord, um, at the time it was called like the drawing board or the art board yeah, or something. I think the drawing um, board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was exactly that. It was a bunch of us that had just started content creating, kind of like talking about what was working, talking about what wasn't working, um, coming up with hypotheses about the algorithm. And then all of a sudden, which we were kind of just talking about, like the behind the scenes of this, but like Infused Media came in and really like added a lot of like structure and a lot of people to the Discord. And it's been like this amazing place to kind of like vent and gripe and like chat and brainstorm and do all these like really cool like things. Yeah, for sure. And big shout out to Kevin for all of that. I mean, it really has yeah. been like his baby and his brainchild. So yeah, I, I yeah. similar to you, um, I was actually starting to launch Infuse at the time. So I was like, how can I create a company for content creators without like having tried to do it myself at all? So I started, yeah. you know, my TikTok and started posting. I tried to do it like every day. I actually was pretty good about doing it like every day for a really long time. And then like you, I think Reddit as well. I was like, you know, how do I actually do this? I have no idea what's going on. Um, and then, yeah, found the thing. And then I ended up hitting up Kevin. For those that don't know, he's uh, our community manager. And um, he's the guy that runs this Discord that we're talking about. Um, yeah. And we started talking. And I'm like, hey, like, I think a really important part of this company is going to be, like, creating a real community. You seem like you know what you're doing. Like, we just over a series of conversations, we've, you know, found a way that it made sense for him to join. And now he's doing all sorts of different stuff. He's now helping us with marketing as well. He has a passion for that. But, and then, yeah, yeah, I know you were one of the OGs. So I feel like we, I've kind of seen your content. I don't, it sounds like you've seen mine. I'm not quite as big as you, but you know. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Definitely. So I guess, uh, what, what started you to like start creating content? What was the inspiration behind it? Well, okay. So there were like kind of two, there was like a false start to my content creating and then like a more serious start. I think like so many people, I was just bored in quarantine at the like May 2020. That's the classic story. <laughs> yeah. I was like sitting in my apartment, staring at my wall, just like, what do I do with all this time? And that was when TikTok really started blowing up. And so I've always had a passion for like scary movies, spooky things, ghosts dark haunted histories and so I kind of had this like 
knowledge of all these like different stories. And so I kind of jumped on TikTok and was like sharing some of these stories and, and some of them started blowing up um, because people just seemed like really interested in it. And then th- that was also a time, you know, we started kind of coming out of quarantine a little bit more work started getting busy. I wasn't able to like dedicate time to it. And then this last year, I actually left the job that I was working at and was starting kind of like my own company. Um, And at the beginning, there was just a lot of like free time to kind of like brainstorm and think of new things and like, what did I want to do? And so I kind of jumped back onto TikTok just being like, I think at the time, I actually had like 30,000 followers. I did Mm -hmm. like the first time I tried it. So like, I have this following, I might as well just try something, you know, like, I don't want that to go to waste. And I I went back to the old formula and they started really blowing up, like more so than they were blowing up the first time around. And so I was like, wow, like I, I think I grew to like a hundred thousand followers pretty quickly, like within the first month and just kind of took that as a sign of like, okay, people are interested in this. I should keep doing this. I should see where it goes. I don't know what kind of opportunities will arise from this, but if I have the time to like sit and brainstorm stuff and film a few videos a week. Like I don't, I don't want to like miss that opportunity. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's dig into why spooky things. You said you've always kind of had an interest. Like, do you know where that originally started or like when did that blossom? How did that become a thing? I always feel like it was because I watched signs way too young. Like I remember being at my friend, Mary Bermucci's birthday party when we were like nine years old and we all watched signs and, were traumatized beyond belief. But at the same time, I was like, what is this feeling? I love this so much. (laughs) And so honestly, like, I've always had that love, but I, I work in entertainment and I started working in entertainment right out of college. And one of my first jobs was actually working for James Wan, who directed like the Conjuring movies and Insidious and he did Aquaman. And he is just, I, I joke that I feel like I got a master's in horror because he's a genius and he taught me so much about the genre and about movies and how to like actually appreciate the art and why things are scary and what makes things work. What are some of the secrets of like what makes things scary? You know, I learned a lot about the rules of horror. Like it's not something you think of as like, Oh, I'm watching the conjuring and there's like an entire rule book as to like what the ghosts, like the playbook for all the ghosts. But like there, you know, that's one thing we talked about with Annabelle a lot. I worked on the last two Annabelle movies and like Annabelle, you never see her move. And that's one thing that makes her really scary. It's like left up to your imagination. But if you watch those movies, you're never, I think they mess up in one of the movies and she actually turns her head. <laughs> but other than that, oh, sorry. Yeah, now you're good. <laughs> but other than that, you know, like that's, that's a rule that they stick by in every single movie. And you'll, you'll see as you watch horror movies, a lot of these like ghosts and demons will kind of have this rule book of like, they can't just do anything because that's not scary. They have like these specific things that they can do. Um, and on top of that, like a, just like a million other things, like he's just so good with horror. But one, one part of my job at his company was like reading through scary things to like find what could be the next franchise. So I was like constantly reading through like Wikipedia pages of scary things that had happened, like looking into all this true crime, reading all these like books and old, old books like Dracula and just like trying to find new monsters, anything to kind of um, make a new franchise out of. And so I just, I just always had this like list in the back of my head or like, here's this like thousand things that are really scary that have happened Mm -hmm. or like all of these monsters and demons and ghost stories. 
And so I was like, well, I don't want to, like, I have that. Like, it just became kind of the well that I was, like, dipping into um, at the start of things that I was talking about. Yeah. I re- so random. I took, like, a theater class back in college. And I remember there was, like, one, I don't know why this is one of the things that I remember from my whole college experience. <laughs> but it was, like, they always, like, have the build up and then, like, a boom. And then something doesn't actually happen. And then it's, like, 10 seconds later is, like, when the scary startling thing happens. So. Yeah, no, someone <laughs> described it as, like, it, it's like you stick the knife in and then you twist it. Like, you think the scary thing has happened, but then all of a sudden the, the actual scary thing happens. Yeah. And it, it's like playing with audience expectations, which honestly is, is hard to do on TikTok. You, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of, like, short film horror creators on TikTok because I don't know that the medium works for that. But that's that's something I've been thinking about exploring is, like, how do you kind of make narrative tiktoks and do they work yeah would you how long would those have to be you think i don't know there's a few that i've played with actually on my page i did one about doppelgangers i did one um about just like coming home and like maybe there's something in my apartment and they end up just being moments it's like it kind of ends up being like just the moment in the scary movie of the scary part you can't really do a lot of build-up because Mm -hmm. people scroll so fast that you you know, it, it actually does take a lot of build up to get to the scary moment. Yeah. But people, you know, if you don't have the thing in the first few seconds, which, you know, like people don't stick around. Yeah. So so you talked a little bit about your jobs, I guess. What, what have you kind of done since college and how have you balanced, um, I guess, content creation with potentially also doing other full time things or other ways to make money? Totally. That's I mean, that's the secret sauce, right, is how do people balance this? I wish I had like a foolproof like I wake up at five in the morning and I plan my content then I do my nine to five job but it really that's something I'm trying to navigate a little bit more I think it's when I first started content creating I things were still pretty locked down I had time in my day to like it would always be like my lunch breaks that I would sit and I would like research the thing I wanted to make the video on to make sure I had everything right make the video post it and I could do all that within like an hour chunk um and now life is a little more chaotic and all over the place. Um, so it, it honestly is something that I'm still trying to balance and trying to figure out exactly what that balance is. But making sure I, one thing that I learned at, kind of at the beginning, which I has always kind of stuck with me is like, if you're going to put in the amount of hours of a part time job, you have to treat it like it's a part time job. Like, you have to be really professional about it. And you have to bake it into your schedule. And if someone emails you, a brand opportunity, like you have to email them back as if mm-hmm. this is your job and you have to be timely and kind and grammatically correct. Yeah. You know, you have, you have to look like a professional. Um, and so that's kind of something that I've been trying to adhere to of like, no, this, I do treat this like it is a part-time job. Um, and every, you know, I'm, I'm trying to treat it like a business basically. So, so I guess if you put like numbers on it, like how much, how much time do you dedicate it in like a given week or something? Like uh, how much do you feel like you're not like letting it take over your life, but like, it's still like, you feel like you're doing a good enough job that you feel like you're putting out quality content. I, uh, it, it definitely varies. I would say like, when I really feel like I'm in my stride, it's probably two hours a day at least. Which feels, which you can kind of bake two hours into like a nine yeah. to five job. I think if you if you're like really passionate about it. Um, when I let it slide, like now it's it's because I've gotten so busy. Like every other day, an hour to two hours, and I'll try to like stack Sunday with a few hours of like research and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But like, I, I think to be where I really want to be, I would probably need to do like three hours a day of like prep and actually filming and like doing stuff that's like a little bit more professional. I have to do my makeup for videos. Yeah. That takes a <laughs> certain amount of time. Like yeah. there is, you know, there's so, a certain amount. Yeah. When you say be where you want to be, like what, what would that, how would that look different than where you are now? I think I'm, I'm still trying to figure out like cohesion in my content. Cause at first it was like, Oh, I have all these scary stories. I'm just going to tell them. And some of them were ghost stories. Some of them were sci-fi. Some of them were me talking about aliens and stuff would do well. But I think like, I want my page to kind of feel like a landing page for people that are interested in certain things and they can scroll through all the videos and there's like a common theme to them or like I have a certain look or whatever right now it still feels like it's a little cobbled together because it's just very touch and go right now. Um, I would like to have more of a persona, you know, like Mm -hmm. there are certain things that I think I can do to kind of add cohesion to it. How did you, I guess like, how do you take inspiration from like what others are doing in your niche and just on TikTok in general and like kind of use that as inspiration or at least like some direction in, in what you're working on? Totally. That's a good question. There's like a, there's a lot of cool stuff happening on TikTok, definitely. And so it's, it's easy to look at the big creators and what they're doing and see what works and try to replicate it. I, I don't want to ever rip anyone off, but there are certain things of like the way that, people phrase things the way that people say certain words or don't say certain words because they're like TikTok banned words, mm-hmm. you know, or um, our creators right now that are doing well, focusing more on like narrative videos versus I think a big thing in like the scary niche is to like have a video where I'm not necessarily saying anything, but I'm like pointing to text. And then there's like flashes of images from a scary movie or something that pop up. Um, But that's not me talking versus like sometimes the algorithm really favors like people sitting and talking and telling a story. So um, I feel like I can look at other big creators as like a litmus test of like, what's the algorithm like right now? What are people making that looks really cool that I want to try? Like some people are reenacting ghost stories. Like, is that something I want to do? Like that looks really fun. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been cool to be able to like look at other creators for inspiration yeah so we i think we've made it like 10 minutes without talking too much about the tiktok algorithm i guess how do you uh like how do you see the tiktok algorithm how have you seen it kind of evolve over time where do you think it's right now and how do you stay on top of it i know the discord's one place but i guess kind of outside of that how else do you feel like you know what the tiktok algorithm is as much as anybody could realistically know Yeah, right. It's like the best kept secret. I feel like just watching things that are doing well. I th- I think a big tell, honestly, is like the for you page. Like, am I seeing videos that only have a million plus likes? Okay, if my sometimes I go through TikTok and my whole for you page are things that have a million plus likes. So it feels like TikTok is just cycling through viral videos because some of those videos were posted like th- two or three weeks ago. But that's what's getting pushed. It's not the newer, fresh content that maybe has a couple likes that, you know, seems cool. Other times I'm getting videos that are a little more niche and specific to me, don't have as many likes or maybe longer. Um, and so then I, I feel like the, the algorithm is kind of pushing those videos and I can um, maybe like get a video that like slips in there and starts doing really well. But I, I noticed personally, I do worse when TikTok is only showing the like million plus like videos. Um And those, yeah, there's like, I could talk about that forever. I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole. But to to some, to some point, 
too, I think now I'm trying to be, which we talked about this in the Discord, right? Of like, you don't have to make content for everyone. You mm-hmm. just have to make content for the right people. But TikTok only rewards the videos that are made for everyone. So it's hard to like, whereas like YouTube, I think makes more videos for like the right people or make sure the right people get the right videos. Um, and so I'm trying to be a little bit more mentally like, it's okay if I don't only like turn out hits. Like I want to, Make sure I'm making content that's like consistent and good and cohesive and people know what to expect from me and they want to follow me. And if they aren't getting me on their for you page, they want to look up my profile and Mm. see what I've been up to. You know, I think that's the best kind of creator you can be on TikTok. Is is there ever a time where you felt like, like, yes, like I got the algorithm right. Like, like I like actually did like studied the algorithm, did exactly what I thought like it was telling me to do. And it like worked out perfectly. Yeah, there was there was a time where I got like three million plus view videos in a week, and I was like, "I am God. I figured it <laughs> out. No one can touch me." And then the algorithm humbles you right back down the next week because the stuff that works one week just doesn't work the next. It's really it can get really frustrating. Yeah, I guess that that brings up an interesting question for for people that are listening. What does it feel to be like quote unquote like TikTok famous? Like it's very different than like traditional fame in some ways. So I'm interested like kind of how it feels to be someone that would be, you know, in the realm of TikTok fame. It's funny how unfamous you feel. Like it is crazy. I was, cause I, I talked to my boyfriend about this a lot and he's like, you have more like a, a half a million followers. He's like, you have more followers than like any of the influencers on Twitter. I have, you know, like yeah. followers that they have. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like that though. Like it, it sometimes it feels like, even though I have that many followers, like every single video matters because people are only getting that one video. They're not getting all of my stuff just because they follow me. So it still feels, there's like a certain amount of pressure to make like every video, the best video that gets the most amount of views. Um, Yeah. You know, that's kind of a thing I've thought about too, is like, how can I inject more of myself into my videos? Because I think Mm -hmm. people follow me because they saw one video of mine that they really liked. I don't necessarily know that they, know that I'm Kaylin and they're following me because of who I am. I think that's another thing on TikTok is like how much do followers actually matter, which is like the big question right now because just because you post something does not mean all of your followers see it at all. So yeah, it it doesn't feel like fame. It feels like it's a, it's a lot more of a hustle. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get that. Um, So we talked a bit about how TikTok do the, followers matter and stuff what what other platforms i think you know you have a podcast you mentioned youtube like what other social platforms have you experimented with and like what do you see the promise in those versus tiktok or others that's a really good question i think um i'm trying to get the yeah my instagram up a little bit more because i think in terms of exposure like your instagram followers are the most likely to see stuff that you post um but i was really late to the game on getting my Instagram set up for my like TikTok like linked. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that people are necessarily like being redirected to my Instagram. So I'm trying to like repost some of the TikToks as like Instagram reels and kind yeah, of see how those go. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's such a like mixed bag uh, in terms of reels right now of like what does well. Instagram in general feels like it's, it's more geared for like the traditional influencer you think of, of like my life is put together and everything is aesthetic. And so it's hard to be like, okay, but what about this mummy that was found? (laughs) People don't really want to see that on 
Instagram. So I've been struggling with that a little bit, but um, yeah, I think one reason I like really put a lot of energy and effort into a podcast too, and why I might eventually start making YouTube videos is because I, I want to make like longer content that's the TikToks, but like built out a little bit more with more information and me talking about stuff and kind of have a place for people. If you're like interested in my TikToks, well, you can get the whole story here yeah. and, and, you know, kind of become a little bit more of a personality through What's that. What's that uh, podcast? Where can people find it at? Yeah. So it's called Heart Starts Pounding and it is everywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay, amazing. Spotify, Apple Music, Google, everywhere. Everybody check it out. Um, so <laughs> we've, we've talked a bit about how like you feel like you need to put more of your personal personal self into things so that people recognize yeah. you. Um, I guess, what do you think makes for a valuable content creator and how do you actually culminate, culminate I don't know if that's a word, a, commu- yeah. <laughs> a, yeah. a, a community oh, like yeah. around like, you know, yourself and your personal brand? Yeah, that's a great question. It's hard. I think, you know, people like different things. I think people really like vulnerability. I think taking a second to make a video that's just about you as a person versus like the content you're creating, like that always does really well. Um, I think in my videos, what I've noticed like the algorithm really likes is me getting straight to the point and like, what's the scary thing and just kind of like turning through information. Mm-hmm. And then I watch the video back and I'm kind of like, oh, I feel like anyone could have made that because it's so information heavy. Like, what's the thing about this content that's like uniquely me. And it's, yeah, that's something that I'm like trying to figure out more because I've never been like an in front of the camera person ever in my whole life. And so this is my first foray into that. And so it's still, you know, I'm seven months into it, but I'm still very much so getting comfortable with it. Yeah. Likewise. I was actually always like fairly like anti-social media. I didn't have an Instagram until like February of this year, (laughs) but then I, I, I really saw it like as this business opportunity. And I was like, all right, like, you know what? It's all good. I'm diving headfirst into this and like, let's figure it out. <laughs> ah, what do you think for you then was the thing that made you want to kind of dive into social media and like try to help people out? I, I, so my, I have a very like businessy background. So it's like, as like not cool as it sounds, it was just like, oh, there's like huge opportunity for business yeah. in this space. Um, so I, 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 you know, through, you know, a couple of different things, but mostly like looking at numbers and industry trends and, you know, places that I thought were going to continue to grow. Um, I kind yeah. of create our economy and then I have a background in performance marketing as well. So I was kind of like, how do I meld these things together? Um, and talking with Fluent, um, who's obviously backing Infuse, um, we kind of came up with a thesis that, that made a lot of sense. Um, which, yeah. which brings us to an interest, like, how do you think about monetization? Um, how important is monetization versus you versus like, this is just a cool hobby. Like I really enjoy it and get fulfillment out of like creating content. I mean, I like just in my everyday life, like if I am looking at it today, I'm like, I know I need to make my money somewhere else. I know at this point in time, I'm not going to make enough money um, doing this thing to like support myself right now. Um, I think, I, I don't know. There's like, there's a lot to the creator economy. I think if people spend so much time viewing content and so much time creating content, there needs to be a better system where people are actually incentivized and monetized to do that. You have, people on the app who are putting in full-time work for audiences of millions of people who are also not making money to live Mm -hmm. doing that. And that 
feels wrong. I hope that I would never say this on TikTok because I feel like the app would ban me. But I do <laughs> hope that one day there is a competitor to TikTok that is like, hey, we are actually going to pay people to make content. You know, we as a TikTok makes like what, like $27 billion a year or something insane. Like it's, it's, you all, don't it's have... all with China. We'll never know the real numbers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's obviously a huge problem with it too. But at least like YouTube has pledged to like give 50% of all of its income to, or all of its growth to creators, um, which is hysterical because YouTube is just creators. Yeah. Like that's the reason you have any money at all is because of the creators. So they're backed I, yeah, by I, they're backed by uh, Google as well, which has you know massive yeah. amounts of ability to monetize you know AdSense and you know absolutely. I think that absolutely. makes a big difference for them for sure. <laughs> Definitely, you know, I had a YouTube. I posted one of my TikToks on YouTube, and under shorts. If you do shorts, you're not allowed to monetize on TikTok or on YouTube. Um, whatever, that's stupid. But the video got like two million views and had ads running on it and I never saw any of the money from the ads and I'm like you're making money off yeah. this video well, how come I can't see any of it and it was because I didn't qualify for like YouTube monetization because shorts don't so that to me feels ridiculous I think you see which is really hopeful a lot of creators kind of rebelling against that now you see people trying to move their audience to Instagram because Instagram had reels bonuses mm-hmm. trying to move to YouTube because YouTube has like extra bonuses um, so people are definitely moving to where the money is, which I am here for. And hopefully there's just more competition in the space right now or than there is right now, because yeah. um, I think people w- would jump to a platform that paid better. So I guess besides like whomever can pay creators the most just for being on their platform, um, like what other trends, I guess, within the creator economy do you think are interesting that you've kind of caught on to? I'm definitely interested in Web3. That's like a big thing that I'm looking forward to is like the spirit of web three, despite, you know, what's happening in the space this year and like the previous years, but like the spirit of web three is like people getting paid for the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like you can't mine my data without paying me. You can't, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening there. Um, And a lot of like use coin, what we're doing is like, cool. Like you can actually like monetize things in your own way and give incentive to people. You can, have people's wallet addresses and airdrop Mm -hmm. them cool things and people can sell things or keep things, you know, there's, there's just like a much more of an economy. It feels like amongst that versus like people begging for scraps. It feels like the only way forward where people can get paid fairly. Yeah. Um, And you can just be anyone in any place. And as long as you have a phone, you can make money for yourself, which I love that idea. Yeah. The, the, since you brought up Fusecoin, it's like, it's for me, I think a lot of people think like Web3, NFT, crypto, they're like, am I going to get scammed somehow? So I think yeah. with like the Fusecoin, I was like trying to go really to like, what is Web3 really about? Like it's about earning something that's unique to a community and then being able to actually use it for something. Like it's not just like hold it and pump and dump. Like the whole point is then, Hey, you can get a t-shirt. Hey, you can get a one-on-one coaching session. Hey, you can go to an event. Like, so I think the use of like crypto coins and NFTs and stuff, like there has to be a tangible use on the other end. It can't just be like something that you pump value just for the sake of like it having value and like the people that were in early, you know, make money and everybody else gets screwed. So. um. Absolutely. No, totally. (laughs) 
So I think I'm excited for where that can go. We'll see. I mean, it's a bit of like a side project, but I, I think it could be really cool. Um, I, think it, I think it could be really cool. Like it's incentivizing people to like say things in the discord and to yeah. be more of a community member. And then you get a t-shirt or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a cool thing that we do. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So for new creators that are just starting out, what, what tips would you have for them? Well, now I'm trying to get all of my friends into TikTok because I'm like, if you have anything you like that you're passionate about, any skill, just like get on TikTok and see what you can do because it's it's just like such a cool way to share things and you just never know the opportunities that will arise. Like so many people are on there. Um, you just don't know like what company or brand or anything is going to like find you and your skill set. So I would just say like, find, find the thing that you can do a million times. Yeah. So if you're like, I want to get on TikTok, but I don't know what to do. So you're just doing trends that everyone else is doing and you don't really have perspective, like really hone in on like, what can I add to this platform? And like, what is my voice and my style? Once you figure out what you want to make, like, look at all the big creators that are doing that same thing. What are they doing? What works? What doesn't work? What can you kind of like replicate, but add your own voice to like, I think that's like a pretty good roadmap to figuring out how to at least get noticed. And if you, if you at least do that, you'll get some sort of following and you'll be able to kind of see if you can grow from there. Yeah. I think the other one that I would add too, just from what I've seen is like consistency. It's like, you know, yeah, if you're a lot of people feel inspired one day or even one week, they're like, all right, I'm really going to do this. And then after a week they yeah. fade. So like, I would say, Make sure to your point, it's something that you're passionate enough about that you're not after a week going to be like, all right, I don't know really what else to say about this. I've kind of said everything. Totally. Um, I think too, like if you have something else in your life that you want to redirect people to, if you're a small business owner and you make soap mm -hmm. and you want people to buy that soap, like TikTok can be a great resource to at least get people over to another. Like I think any person that owns a business or has a, a brand at all, like needs to be on TikTok trying to get people over to that brand. Um, but even like I have a friend who wants to be kind of like this new millennial like travel agency. And so she's just like posting cool travel things on TikTok. And so many people are now being redirected to her website because it all is part of like her brand. And so, yeah, I think there's just a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, cool. All right, so a philosophical one. I got a couple more for you, and then we can wrap it up. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, like, the pros and cons of social media? Having kind of, I think, you know, grown up without it a little bit and then kind of seeing it completely yeah. blow up over the last 10 or so years. I mean, it's a great tool that we have. It's also dangerous in some ways, you know? I think you see like Facebook kind of became like a hellscape mm -hmm. real fast and people are turning away from it. And now the wrong people are getting on Facebook to find like other scary people that they can connect with. And that to me feels like kind of like the worst version of what can happen. But I don't know. They're, like, this is a really good question because I, I do spend time thinking about it and sometimes I, I spook myself. And so even <laughs> I'll have to like take breaks from yeah. TikTok and like, on the weekends, but typically I like delete it off my phone. So I don't even, it's like out of sight, out of mind because it, it is built to be addicting. Yeah. And so I think like as an adult woman, I can responsibly use it and be like, okay, I know that I've looked at this too long. I'm going to take a break and do work at 13 years old. I don't know that I'd be able to make the same decision. So I would just, I'm a little nervous for like younger teens that are using it and are maybe 
not realizing the addictiveness of it or, you know, could potentially end up on the wrong side of TikTok or the wrong side of social media and kind of see some scary stuff. So like, I, I think, I do think eventually there will be laws around it. It kind of feels like social media feels like this lawless place where the government hasn't come in yet and really made rules about like, Hey, you can't show these yeah, images the on your west. site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the wild west. It, it functions like its own form of government. So I, I do think within the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot of laws surrounding it. You know, there's been talk of like banning infinite scroll. There's talk of banning um, algorithms in general. Like, you know, Instagram could go back to just being pictures of friends and family. Yeah. So we're just going to have to see what happens. So has it, you brought up great points and I feel the same way. I would be, I, I mean, I didn't really yeah. have it as much when I was in like middle school and high school. I mean, I had in high school is like, you know, Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, but like nothing else. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy like now as, yeah, and an adult, you kind of just are like, okay, like, you know, I spent way too much time on TikTok today. That was, yeah. that was bad, but you can kind of like police yourself a little bit better. But yeah. going back to what you were saying, how do, how do you think platforms can better moderate? Like, cause as a content creator, it gets really annoying when they like, will like, say flag your account for some random reason or do like you can get like the annoying side of flags where like you didn't do anything wrong and then it like messes with your account and your livelihood um but at the same time you want safety for kids and you know people on the platforms to you know not have a toxic environment so i think how how do you see the balance of those playing out i don't know like that's where it gets crazy because i there's like the the free speech argument but then you see places like Facebook or like Reddit where like free speech can get really into some gray areas really fast and like scary and not appropriate for children. So I don't know if there's like a 18 and under version of TikTok that comes out where you're restricted from seeing certain TikToks and then 18 plus or um, if they, you know, cause the, the bands do feel really random and like yeah. very rampant right now where even certain audio that's not bad, will just get everyone who uses the audio band. I feel like my dictionary of band TikTok words is just growing and growing and growing. Like you can't even say Lincoln bio, yeah. maybe <laughs> like that feels like a little extreme. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be some sort of middle ground, right? Where you're not banning every single word you don't like. And you're also not letting like scary, hateful content run rampant on your platform. It's almost like an overwhelming problem. Like when you think about it, you're like, how could this ever even be solved? (laughs) Yeah. How is there ever? Yeah. Is there any balance ever? I mean, we all exist in society as like normal, well-behaved, People. It's just like on the internet, it becomes this entirely different thing. So uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. LinkedIn is a social media platform and that always stays appropriate. So there are ways yeah. to have social media platforms that do stay like mild. Yeah. It's kind of weird how people like just are completely different on the internet. Like when they're behind a Twitter, you know, Avi, yeah. that's some random thing with a fake name, like how toxic people get for no reason. Like, <laughs> kind of a side note to this, too. Every single person in my life has seen my TikToks. My old bosses have contacted me to say they've seen me on TikTok. People from high school have said they've seen me. I mentor students on the weekends, they've all seen my TikToks. I do not know how some people have viral videos with like some of the stuff they say because. Yeah. If you make a video, you have to assume it's going to go to every person you've ever met in your life. And that, so that's the thing that at least keeps me from like 
just being unhinged on the internet yeah. <laughs> is knowing that. Some people, I'm like, oh my God, how did you go to work the next day after going on this tear? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Good on them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah, that's crazy. So, okay, I got yeah. I got one last one for you. How, as like a social media creator, how do you take, and just to guess an adult in general human being, how do you take care of like your mental health? Yeah, that's a good question. I think like, like I mentioned, deleting TikTok on the weekends, I try to delete all social media on the weekends and just give my brain a rest um, from the scroll. I'm starting to try and like do the work mode on my phone during the day. So I'm not like, so I'm not getting notifications for things that aren't like work related to at least help myself focus. I think like one thing that's helped me this year is like prioritizing deep focus where even if I am like scrolling TikTok and my brain feels like it's going a million miles a minute, like, okay, am I sometimes even just like sitting on my couch and spacing out for like 30 minutes yeah. just kind of allows my brain to reset, like looking out the window and thinking through a, work problem or a life problem or something just giving myself like a second away from stimulation to kind of like think about things like going on a walk and not listening to a podcast or not talking mm -hmm. on the phone kind of being alone with my thoughts um or doing other like deep focus things like reading and stuff but like just trying to make sure i'm doing at least one type of deep focus every day really just like gives my brain a rest yeah. i feel one I haven't spoke, talked specifically about deep focus, but one time when you're just describing it that I think of is like whenever I'm on a plane or a bus or something, I'll sit on the window seat and just like stare yes. out the window. And it's so, for some reason so peaceful to me. It's so nice. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you end up like working through problems you like didn't know the answer to beforehand or it just kind of gives you this like reset, which is, yeah, just really, which like, that's what humans were doing for their entire days. Like before we had <laughs> just wandering around looking like, for food. <laughs> yeah, just like thinking about stuff. And so I think to some extent that is like our body's natural state. So yeah. you have to make time for it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, can you tell the listeners where they can find you on all your socials? Cause I made them wait until the very end. <laughs> yes. I am on TikTok at macabre happenings. M-A-C-B-R-E happenings. And then I'm on Instagram and my podcast at Heart Starts Pounding. And you can find me at all those places. Boom. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was really fun. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, yeah. we, <laughs> we out. <laughs> Subscribe to the latest episode of Fluent Talks at fluenttalks.co. That's fluenttalks.co.